podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. Week 15, almost in the bag. It's the week that never ends. Uh, two more games tonight, but I and Mike and I are going to get into what has happened so far. The shutout defeat for the Bucks and Godwin out for the season. We'll talk Harbaugh going for it again and losing, rolling the dice and coming up short. The Lions, how the hell did they take down the cards? What happened to the Patriots against the Colts and plenty more besides. It is a vintage Carlson performance. Enjoy. Here's I'm Mike. Hi, Mike. Good to see you. How's life treating you? Oh, pretty good. I had a great, uh, great night with Monday Night Football. I mean, you mm. got to love a Monday night when there's 56 points scored. <laughs> in two games. In, uh, in two games. In two games. How uh, you were telling me just before we started recording that you've saved face with your Monday night picks in terms of your overall week 15 picks. But so far, important- I mean, we still got two weeks to go. But yeah, yeah I, I was sitting at seven, go, yeah. seven and five, but I had both mm-hmm. of last night's games right. So so we're up to nine and five. And nine and five. Um, you know, as, as I said, it was a great moment, though, in history. I, I decided, I, you know, I was just about to go to bed and I said, well, maybe I'll take a look because the game's finishing. Um, um, the Raiders Browns and and when the score sort of came up on my phone, it it just said um, uh, Browns fourteen Raiders thirteen. The Browns had a third and something in, at their own twenty or something like that with two minutes to go. So I just looked at the phone. And I said sixteen fourteen Raiders. I'm okay. And, and I went to bed and I woke up and that's the way it was. I can't believe you didn't stay up to support your namesake, Daniel. No, Carlson's you know I, I always have the feeling that the more I care about it or the more that I show. Mm. The more that I show my caring about it and caring about it means if I've made the pick, I want the team I picked to win, um, the less right. likely it is to happen. So the more mm. insouciant that I can be Smart. about it, the, the more that fate tends to agree with me. Always thinking you, always thinking uh, more importantly than any of that. Where does this leave you in the head to head with supercomputer? I don't know. I, I don't I, you know, because I I've got to dig in to, to find AccuScore's results. And I don't I don't want to um, I don't want to jinx that either by seeming too anxious. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to worry you unnecessarily on Julie, I'm Mike, but reports coming in that AccuSchool was out partying late last night. <laughs> <laughs> and breaking COVID restrictions, but it was a work party with, yeah, because with the computer was still actually figuring out the, the odds changes. So, so, so that, was, that was okay. I want to congratulate you on the great run of your Miami Dolphins. Well, thank um, you, I'm Mike. I, think, I feel and, I've had a lot know, to do with it. Yeah, and and that was actually you know a great game for a number a number of reasons. Um, the the one of the better fat guy touchdowns of the season, if not recent years. Yes, it was. Christian Wilkins does and, and a, a Lambo leap. leap. In, yeah. Did you see the Lambo leap? And the, the people were like, amazing. it was like a bomb falling in a foxhole. The people were diving out of the way and he went in butt first sort of and oh, help, help. It was. It, it was like, you know, an elephant going into a swimming pool. One um, of my favorite moments of the season. And those were the, those were the uh, highly priced, highly priced corporate seats weren't they those (laughs) right down on the right down in the field boxes the um they also i was great to see duke johnson back um who i you know for years i've been he's always been a kind of fantasy players thing because duke always has this nudge or nose for for um scoring and for picking up lots of receiving yards and things like that but it was good to see him back and and you could see the difference it makes to be rested and ready in mm. these situations, you know, where you haven't played, he's fresh, basically. Yeah. And, and he, he looked good. And, and they also had the play of the day, which I love the announcing. The They don't know who the, <laughs> they basically go through it about five times before they figure out who actually threw the ball. But it, it, it was Zach to um, to Crowder and then Crowder throws a long lateral overhand which drives people crazy because they don't, they don't think they can call it a lateral if they, if you throw it overhand Yes. Um, <laughs> to uh, Baxton Barrios, one of, one of my favorite Braxton yep. Barrios, who's been all around the AFC East. He started with the Patriots and went to Miami and went to New York. And, um, and it was a house. brilliant play, you know, and, mm. and it, yeah, they call it, you know, they call it a hook and ladder <clears throat> nowadays. Mm. It, it, it was a variation of the old flea flicker. And, um, 
most famous recently, I guess, for Boise State in that Fiesta Bowl where they beat Oklahoma. And then one of the plays they ran on fourth and 19 was a flea flicker that, that went for a touchdown. Mm. You know, you throw to the receiver running a comeback pattern of some sort. It used to be called a button hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he flicks it to a, a trailing receiver. It worked great in the single wing. Now, the key to it is getting the defense to converge on the guy who catches it. Right. Which leaves the and by throwing across the field, that's exactly what happened. It was a beautiful piece of design. Crowder's uh, lateral was perfect. And Barrios got another, I don't know, what was it 18 or so yards on it? I, it was my play of the week. I mean, I just loved watching it. I watched about 10 times just because just I enjoyed it so much. Brilliantly described as well. Go check it out if you've, if you've missed that. I love your point on Duke. Duke coming home as well, of course, a former uh, yeah, University of Miami. From the U. Uh, yeah, yeah, from the U, exactly I think right. he served. I think he served his full four-year sentence at the U. Too. <laughs> the, this, this stat blew my mind about Duke. Uh, he has, that's the first time in his career that he has had a 20 carry workload. So he's never before wherever he's been. Yeah. Given the the rock that much. That's interesting because he is your, he was defined as your prototypical third down back. Mm. So it was like, we have to use you on third down. Even when he was in job shares with guys who could be, you know, who could just as easily be considered more or less third down backs, you know, and, and I always think the, the, the less predictable you are, the better off you are. So, you know, Mm. if, if Duke's playing on, uh, when he was like at um, Arizona, at Houston, you know, if he's playing on first down, fine. It gives you a double threat. You know, they have to allow for both possibilities. And yeah. I think, it, I think at one point he was sharing with David Johnson, who's a similar, you know, very similar kind of player in terms of of multi skilled. Um, so yeah, why why limit a guy? Um, I, I like I like him a lot as a player. I think he's very heady. He knows he knows what he has to do, and he and he has ways to get it done. Now, speaking of heavy, I want to shout out Miles Garrett, because I think Miles Garrett improbably has come up with the most profound thing I've heard from the NFL this season, arguably <laughs> in the world this year. When asked, uh, Garrett, of course, played in the Monday Night Football loss to the Raiders, the aforementioned loss to, to the Raiders, and was clearly banged up, had, had a groin issue and uh, battled through. When he was asked about it afterwards in the press, and Mike, you know what he said? He said, what? everyone's hurting. That's right. I mean, yeah, you bang right. on the money. And I mean, if we want to parlay that out to, to the big wide world, you were making the point just before we, we started recording the show, the parallels we're seeing in, in within the NFL to, to outside and, and the world that we're all living in. 51 players, Palacero reported on Monday, tested positive, or at least on the COVID list to be precise. That's 213 testing positive uh, since uh, lo- the start of last week. So how significant is this going to have to get before the NFL is forced not to parlay games into every day of the week, which suits them pretty nicely. Thank you, Jack, right now, because they've got windows, broadcast windows and ops every day of the week, it seems. At what point are they going to have to to slam the brakes on, do you think? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would the first thing I would do is is basically try to bubble, um, Mm. you know, force teams to isolate completely um you know within their bubble stop outsiders from coming in um tell the players they can't you know go out <laughs> good, <laughs> you know, good luck they, with that they have to go yeah i mean i i understand the problems with that but at least you could you can say it it's very very similar to our situation now you know yeah, it's right. like they refuse to they refuse to tighten the rules but they tell everybody they should be playing by tightened rules, you know, but, but they refuse to actually say it because, you know, you remember last Christmas, Johnson standing up in Parliament and screaming at Keir Starmer, you know, you want to cancel Christmas? And then like two days later, he had cancel to quote Christmas. unquote, you don't cancel Christmas, you know, you just simply make it more difficult. But, you know, mm-hmm. Christmas is Christmas and, and you have to have priorities. But, uh, you know, I, I think cynics of which of whom I am always one, no. you know, would accuse the NFL of jumping on this to make money, you know, not to cancel games um, because that hurts them financially to add another week day to the season, you know, to the week of the season, which makes them money. Uh, we, we all kind of sense that the NFL would like to be on seven days a week with games um, yeah. where that were that kind of physically possible. Um, I think we've got a real bad situation in the sense that the 17 game season is more wear and tear on the players, as many mm. of us suggested it would be. Um, and as Miles Garrett probably knows well. So that combined with the COVID is is great. But but I don't see um 
I don't I I think what they're doing instead of forfeiting games, which I don't think anybody would really think is a good thing, although that's what they were supposed to do. You know, if a team breaks the covid protocol or if players break the covid protocol, it's their fault. Therefore, if the game has to be canceled. And I think fans who complain, you know, that their team was was going to have a walkover win or or whatever, um, you know, have have a certain point. But um, you can't continue this for another week or so because you wind up in the situations that Cleveland is is in, for example, playing, um, you know, playing um, on Monday and Saturday. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you're going to you're going to wind up with those with those kind of um, those kind of things would just make the injury situation situation worse. So I, I, I think that the Players Association and the NFL are trying to keep things normal, hoping that the ultimate results, as as most of us hope, um, you know, and as politicians are hoping, that the vaccination will mitigate the um, patho- pathological results of COVID. And, and, and the Omicron, apparently, because it sits in your bronchial tubes, yes. and Dr. Mike here, um, it sits in your bronchial <laughs> tubes in your trachea, instead of deep in your lungs. And Lung, it doesn't, right. it doesn't thrive in your lungs. It thrives in your throat and bron- bronchial. Now we know, you know, anyone who's had pneumonia or bronchitis knows pneumonia is a whole lot worse. And so that's why Omicron has been less um, pathological, has, has had lighter results, but why it spreads so much more easily, mm. because obviously the closer it is to your mouth, the the easier it is for it to escape and, and infect other people. So I think everybody's kind of betting on we'll survive that way. Um, and, you know, all, I think all we can do is hope. Uh, but yeah, I, the first thing I'd like to do is just for, to have them impress, you know, to, is to bubble yeah. um, as, mu- as much as possible. The report suggesting on, uh, on that latter point, Mike, roughly is how NFL.com described it. Roughly two thirds of the players that have tested positive out of the numbers I mentioned earlier are asymptomatic and the other positive players have reported mild symptoms, right? Yeah, uh, I I think that, and that's the thing now, you know, being asymptomatic doesn't mean you can't pass it on um, when you're, when you're carrying the virus, but you know, again, when everybody's vaccine and I wish, I don't know, is it time for the vaccine deniers to sort of like, you know, bend over and have Roger Goodell hit him 20 times with the shield. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like what, one by one. What are they thinking? You know, I, I just don't understand it. I, I just, you know, that that to me is mind boggling. Um, yeah. And should the NFL and, and Goodell specifically be more dogmatic in that respect? And um, not as long and, as Aaron Rodgers is the leader of the pack. I'm serious I know about that because they can't. What are they going to do? He's, the, he's basically the league's MVP. And it's the same are, are issue. Su- su- suspended. Yeah. Well, it's the same issue that, that they have with uh, you know, any or many, I should say, legal transgressions right criminal transgressions right the 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 severity of the of the situation is one thing but also the status of the player the impact of the player right we've seen that for, yeah that, for that's more true on teams than it is with the nfl fair. But, but yeah you're, you're everyone's willing to cut a star break you know? yeah yeah fair. Um, so uh just on the final point on this the at what point does it become reasonable to postpone a game uh, oh, and, and by postpone a game, I mean, sorry, forfeit a game. And I know you said that the league want to um, want to avoid that at all costs. But at what point does the is it the volume of players that are hit? Is it the specific? If the team cannot play safely and, and I think I think what that involves is just having so few players. Now, you know, with the extended practice squads, even even the Rams with who had 25 players on the list, you know, some of those players will be ready tonight to play. Um, And they you have 16 guys on your practice squad. So, Mm. you know, you can cover 10 or 12 of the places if you if you have to. That's more of a quality of football issue than an actual danger issue. Mm. Um, now, rea- realistically, you could actually play an NFL game like they used to, you know, with 40 guys or whatever, but, but, you know, you're, you're running an in, in increased risk of injury at that. And I think that although it sounded great, and that's what I said back when they announced it, you know, before the season, because it would, I thought it would create internal pressure on players not to put the team in a situation where the team was being punished for their actions. Mm. Um, 
But I think what we've seen right now is the player, the players who are on the COVID list are not doing anything wrong. They're doing what they're they're doing what the league has mandated they do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think forfeiting in that situation is is impossible mm. um, because you know are the are the teams taking you know taking uh, what liberties with the guidelines. It doesn't seem to be that way. The players are in, are being tested. They're being vaccinated, you know, nine, 90, whatever percent of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'd love to see them more for the Green Bay game. <laughs> you know, if all of a sudden all of Green Bay goes down and Aaron Rodgers just turns out to be the super spreader, it would be great. <laughs> Uh, unlike he's got a pinky now you know my my garage band my garage band is going to be called aaron Rodgers' toe um (laughs) but now he's got a pinky injury as well Mm. i mean what is it with these with these extreme digits (laughs) (laughs) we should maybe there is a connection there we should look into that no vaccine extreme digit injuries uh just you got me thinking there mike when you're talking about having Uh a roster roster, i know danger danger we're a real rogers at the uh, 40 odd man roster means that you know certain positions players are gonna have to double down and that's exactly what happened of course with carolina when zane gonzalez got injured that was fun wasn't did it you, did you watch the tryouts that the yeah team i saw that i saw that clip and you know some of the guys couldn't kick it all. Well, at <laughs> all but they you know what i loved about that they put themselves forward because this is what what they said everybody wants to kick everyone wants to get in there but they i'm not even not even close to making <laughs> the one guy i don't even know who it was but one guy i saw you know he was soccer styling it but he obviously had no idea what a soccer style kick was about <laughs> and when i was in college our kicker got hurt and or maybe it was i try to remember maybe it was that he wasn't very good yeah we, it was my senior we didn't have a kicker or it was any good mm. and they actually did a on our friday practice which was the you know no pat the just helmets and shoulder pads practice um they did a kicking thing and we used to fool around kicking mm. um every friday i could drop kick from like 40 35 40 um, with pretty good accuracy, yeah. but I could place kick off a tee from 45. Mm-hmm. And I did. Um, in fact, and people who don't believe this, I got a friend in, in New York you who you can call this. up. And when I was about 50 <laughs> years, when I was about 50 years old, I was kicking 45 year old field, 45 year old field goals, yeah, 45 yard field goals with his son. It was a great side. They were both soccer players, but we were kicking, you know, in, in the local park. And I, I was hitting, I, I was it. hitting those, um, my legs a bit, week now but um anyway i was towing it and yeah there was no way in the world they were going to let me kick it again <laughs> why not why, why they, you they, they barely wanted me to play tight end <laughs> <laughs> it was like if they could have found anybody they would have so anyway else. one of our guards it was a, it, and he had a, a kicking shoe um, so he did the kicking. His range was about 25 yards. But oh, he, he had kicked with his own shoe. They, he had, he you know, keep... a square toe because he was towing it as well. So he had a, co- mm. a square toe shoe that he tied the toe up, you know, around his ankles with the laces up. So the toe was even pointing upward. But that yeah. didn't do him any good. And I was really pissed off because I thought I whoever won the competition would kick on Saturday. You know? Get the gig. Well, you should have done your own homemade uh, homemade. Uh, kicking shoe on Mike, like a kind of prison shank. You should have just <laughs> stuck Tom some Dempsey. Rock, some Tom Dempsey. I could have limped onto the field. And then, should have done it. You know, the um, yeah, what I should have done was I was on the kickoff team. You know, I should have kind of like lined up on the inside spot instead of an outside spot, and then just kicked it and he beat him to the ball. <laughs> Although my kickoffs were not were not any good. Um, I couldn't ah. get the I couldn't get the the combination of height and distance. We are definitely doing an off season because I've been lucky enough to Do you remember hear, hear I, a lot of stories from yeah. your college days. We need to do an do, episode. Do you like remember when I were days. when I was doing NFL Europe for Sky, we did a thing about the the national kickers because every team had a, you know, a oh, national that's right. kicker yeah, yeah. and he did all the kicks up to 35. Mm. Extra points and field goals up to 35. And that's I right. just went out with Sky, I had a pair of sneakers on. And we put a ball on a tee at the 35 at the, or yeah. 35 yards from the posts. And I was facing the camera and I just said, you know, Manny Bergsmuller is the kicker, the late Manny Bergsmuller, rest his soul, um, you know, is kicking for Ryan. He's almost as old as I am. I said, I want a job as a national kicker because I'm British <laughs> now. And, and I just turned around. I did my two steps and kicked it right through the posts. 
first take. One, one try from 35. I said, make me the national kicker. Clive Allen, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't that happen? There are things I like to go back and correct back in time. That's one of them. That's now going on my list of things I would change if I could go back. Uh, wouldn't you love to call a game while you're on the bench, you know, as the kicker? Well, uh, oh, I've got to come in and do the extra point now. <laughs> Here comes the snap. Real-time play-by-play from Iron Mike. Uh, yeah, let's do a special Iron Mike uh, in the off-season, college days, uh, and indeed by the sound of it, extending beyond that. So back in the park in New York and uh, at the Rhine at times, that I, I, stories from Iron Mike's football playing days. I love the sound of that. Right, let's get down to some business. Let's talk Bucks first. If we're staying on the injury tip, because they, of course, uh, one of the biggest shocks of the season. But if you'd scratch uh, not too far beneath the surface, is it any surprise when Godwin and Evans and Fournette went out six that the Bucks were, were so significantly off the pace there? I mean, and even, you know, with Gronk on the field, they weren't connecting in their usual. No, he couldn't connect with Gronk. Um, I'll come back to that in a second. But um, I mean, to a certain extent, Dennis Allen has always done well. You know, last year they beat Tampa both games in the regular season, but yeah. they lost in the, in the postseason. Playoffs. Well, they're 0 4 now. It's in the Brady era in the regular season, the, the Bucks yeah. against the Saints. And and he defend he defends them, he defends them really well, kind of with the Bucks own formula, which is, you know, just rush four. And and I think Fournette's Brady has a comfort zone with receivers. Mm. And he as he's gotten older, it's become more pronounced. Uh, he looks for his comfort receiver first and then then checks away from him. And um, they get Antonio Brown back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and when will it end? Um, but um, so he'll, you know, he'll kind of take Godwin's place. Um, it looked like last year, Scotty Miller was kind of in his, you know, he, he trusted Scotty Miller. Yeah. Um, Evans is the key because Evans gives him that that deep downfield um threat that where brady can throw the ball in his direction you know it, it almost emergency throws as he did falling backwards with that loop mm-hmm. pass a couple of weeks ago to me that game was still winnable for the bucks even after fournette went out and fournette's been a big part of them for the last six eight weeks right the play that killed them and uh, it was fourth and two i think in the third quarter and Brady tried to drop one in on Gronk down the sideline. And Gronk mm-hmm. had Malcolm Jenkins beat by a good step and a half. And Malcolm Jenkins basically put his arms on Gronk's shoulders and went along for the ride. Um, and there was no flag. Mm-hmm. Now, if that, if that had been flagged, I think Tampa goes in for a score. And then you've got, I think at that point, it was 6 nothing still. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got a 7-6 game. Or maybe you have a six-three game, but you know, but it it becomes a game again, and the dynamic changes. And and what I loved about it was, even after the next play, Collinsworth was still, you know, they were talking about whether it was a good call or not, should have been a flag, and Collinsworth is just laughing and sort of saying sarcastically. Malcolm Jenkins made a great play when he had to, <laughs> you know, and it, yeah. it it goes into my old argument about you know this kind of like holding is is illegal. It's legal. It's illegal, but it's legal unless you get an unfair advantage. Interference is illegal, but it's legal unless you get an unfair advantage. And when you're gronk, an unfair advantage <laughs> means that the guy like knocks you onto the ground and sits on you because yeah, all right. he's doing by hope by riding you on your back is like reducing you to his level. <laughs> so that's not unfair, is it? You know, it becomes a 50-50 thing. So I, I don't I'm not that worried for in terms of um Tampa going from 31 and a half points a game to zero points. Yeah. Hey, a here's game. a bit of trivia, Mike, because we know that, you know, pretty much everything in psychopathic nah. knowledge. Okay. I'll put you on the spot here. The last time Brady was shut out as a, as an NFL pro, oh. can you name the quarterback that was going against him in that game? Oh. And I'll give you a clue. He's someone that you and I have talked about, particularly me over the years, many times. He's a, he's a cult hero of mine. Was it the Jets who shut him out? It was a team close to my heart as well. Oh, Miami. Yeah. Yeah. And who was the quarterback? One of my all-time faves. Was it With Cleo tongue, Lemon? Tongue firmly in cheek. No, Joey Harrington. Guess. It was Joey Harrington, yeah. baby. Yeah, it was Joey back. Yeah. yeah, that was back a ways. Yeah, 2006 it was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That wasn't that far off. <laughs> Cleo close. Lemon. You did well. So just on this, because the Saints, as you say, have had the, the box card marked defensively. And it was interesting with Peyton out. I wondered if that would impact Dennis Allen's uh, and the defense 
because of the extra responsibility he had in terms of overall responsibility that he had. Yeah, you know what? I think it did. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think you know he pretty much does what he wants on the defense anyway. You know, I I think Peyton's a good head coach in the sense that they they get to. I assume that they get together and they just they decide what they need to stop, and and that probably starts with Dennis Allen. But you know, he he wants to know what's going on, basically, as opposed to say Urban Meyer. Um, Yeah. And um, I suppose Mike, I meant it more from the extra responsibility he had on top of his typical defensive play calling duties. You know, the game, the game, as long as you trust your offensive coordinator, the game management thing is not that great or it can, you know, you can, you can leave it. You just have to make the big decisions. Mm. Are we going to go for it uh, in this situation? You know what, but basically you, you can, it may sound like I'm contradicting myself, but I don't, I don't think I am. Um, You know, you can leave the coordinator with a lot of responsibility as long as you know what the parameters are, Mm. what, you know, how the plan is. And then you make the crucial decisions like, like say John Harbaugh does, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. (laughs) Um, But I think what this has done is probably put Dennis Allen back into the head coaching mix. Yes. Um, You know, because between Vance Joseph, whose stock probably dropped a little bit when, when Detroit ran all over Arizona's defense um, and Allen, they've both been head coaches probably deserve another shot um, as many, you know, as many coaches have shown, you know, the, the first time through they, they may have learned a lot. Um, Matt Eberfluss, I think, uh, who's the defensive coordinator in Indianapolis probably deserves a head coaching shot sooner rather than later. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably boosted his profile a little bit. Oh, you know, on the final one on the, on the, on the Buck Saints game, the success that the Saints D has had against Brady, beyond this game, but also including this game, is predicated on what? Why are the Saints able to get to Brady, to affect Brady, when so many other defenses aren't? I I think Allen, I mean, part of it is like what I said. If you can rush four... You know, against any any quarterback and get, and still pressure him, mm. then you're you're in you know you're in good shape. This is what the Bucks did to Mahomes in the right. Super Bowl. Um, yeah. If your linebackers can cover, um, you know, if if they're versatile enough, uh, uh, you're in good shape. And if you've got a, a decent secondary and a smart secondary, which Malcolm Jenkins is a great player, um, you know, I, he should have been flagged, but that's. You know, but this is what players do. You know, you're beaten. If you don't stop him, it's a touchdown. If you do stop him and you're not flagged, fine. If you are flagged, it's the same as it's a completion. It's going to be a touchdown anyway, right? Well, it's not a touchdown, but it's no, a complete, know, but it it's only a completion. It. Yeah. So he did what he had to do. And, and the, re- the, the effect, yeah, exactly. And the officials just went along with it. But, you know, they've got Lattimore back or they, you know, when he's healthy, they've got Lattimore back. They've got the, the players back there that, that they trust. And I, and I think he basically... Almost, almost plays the guessing game with Brady and tries to bait him into the harder throws that they can defend. Um, mm. You know, partly by taking away the short, the shorter stuff, and 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 partly by giving him a look that makes it look like he can, you know, like like the Gronk play. Oh, look, I've got Gronk man to man. That's I'll always take that. Well, he was two two out of eleven to Gronk in this game. Yeah, you know, and and you have to think at some point, Allen was saying, yeah, you know, that's not twenty, that's not twenty ten Gronk. This is twenty twenty one Gronk. You right. Know, I'm I'm going to let you keep throwing to him. Yeah, and and that is accentuated, I guess, that whole point when you're looking at particularly if Gronk is neutralized, you have to have to look at the diluted receiving quorum. Let's looking at looking yeah. at the depth chart at the moment. I mean, as you say, Scotty Miller was a go-to guy last year, but he's been banged up a fair bit this year. And if that's got had an impact, you've got Tyler Johnson, Jalen Darden. You know, this is not this. that's not, yeah. yeah. And that's why Antonio Brown is going to be back. I mean, it doesn't matter what he does. You know, he, he's going to he's going to be on the field. As I say, I think Evans is the key guy there. But, mm. you know, the, the, the formula is the same for stopping Tampa as it is for stopping Kansas City. Um, you don't you don't let Tyreek Hill beat you deep. You, mm. you cut that off. And Mike Evans is their Tyreek Hill, basically. Um, you rush for uh, so that you can control control the run game and all. And you let Travis Kelsey catch nine passes for 120 yards because unless he breaks, breaks away um, for the, for the long touchdown, he's not going to beat you. 
You're bending, but I'm breaking. Yeah, yeah. that really interesting. Um, right, let's get on to that Baltimore. Oh, by the way, Chris Godwin, if you haven't heard, out for the season. Yeah, uh, I, apparently he might be back for the playoffs. Mm, I oh. think he's... Uh, really is that that's I what i heard that yesterday and I, yeah i think i think it's moved on since then i oh, think okay yeah because and he's been you know he's been tremendous he's been tremendous yeah. for them i mean i think he's been brady's favorite you know each every play receiver yeah a, a huge loss for them right let's talk about that uh sensational finish in the green bay baltimore game bill barnwell uh, I loved his take on it. Do the analytics account for how exhausting the discourse will be? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and it's 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 you know it's not really it's not really an analytics versus old time football thing, you know. Although it is, I mean, that's the way that's the way it's framed. Well, Harbaugh's framing it as that, isn't he? Because he's saying yeah. that I've I've talked to the analytics guys and I've shot holes in some of their arguments. It's not always yeah. down to the numbers, but that's exactly it's not always down to the numbers. And, and basically, the difference in win probability was pretty small. Um, you know, it, it it goes it goes negative. It went down, I think. And it, yes, you know, it was almost fifty fifty, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was yeah. So I mean, now the the real analytics guys immediately popped up and said, you know, if you're gonna if you're playing analytics, you go for two on the previous touchdown, right? When you're when you were down twenty. Um, 27 uh what was it 24 13 they were down um, 14 exactly they yeah. were yeah you're down third yeah and you know so you you go for the two then because if you make the two you then can win with a touchdown mm. the second time and if you don't make the two you still can go for two points to, to tie, tie yeah, the game i'm with you yeah, yeah. um so you've got that improves your 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 winning possibilities uh, but you know i i kind of agree with harbaugh there and you, you remember two weeks ago i had no problems at all with harbaugh going for two in that game and i, I think what he's thinking is there's the basic thing you lose the toss and you're playing aaron Rodgers. Mm. now the momentum is with you because when they turned the ball over and Green Bay had to settle for a field goal, from that point, Baltimore was dominating the game. Now, all the momentum guys, as opposed to the analytic guys, okay, if you've got all the momentum, then why won't you, why wouldn't you go for it for two? We've got momentum. How can we lose? You know, I um, I thought Aikman was great in this game. He had a couple of pieces of commentary, which, which I really thought were, were, were spot on. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't always like say that about him, but mm. the play they called on the one hand, you think it makes life easier for, um, for Tyler Huntley. But on the other hand, it actually made the defense easier because he only had half the field to play for. And you saw Darnell Savage react and Aikman spotted it right away and showed us, you know, Savage is a safety in the middle of the field. As soon as he rolled right, Savage went straight for um, Mark Andrews. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at it, a quarterback with better accuracy on the run could have still hit Andrews for two there. He was not, he wasn't completely covered. He was free, but because the ball was a little bit behind, it let Savage get a little piece of it. And that made it, that made it uncatchable. So, you know, it wasn't that the play design wasn't as great as it was two weeks ago where mm. Andrews was wide open and, and should have, just, Lamar just couldn't, couldn't get it to him because of the rush. Mm. Um, but it, it still might, might have worked, but it wasn't a, the play call probably wasn't as good, but what got me was when Huntley was, was in the middle, when he was staying in the pocket, the Packers were never containing there, you know, only even Preston Smith was coming inside the tackle and there was no outside contain. There was nobody setting an edge there because the linebackers were back in, in coverage. So you had nobody on. And, and I was now when you're two yards from the goal, that be, can become a little bit different, you know, but, but if he were in the middle of the field, if he'd stayed in the pocket, I think it would have opened up more. Mm. Um, for them, but that's that's just double. That's just second guessing. I think it took a lot of guts to go for it when you've done it two weeks before. It definitely failed. took a lot of guts, and it might have it might have cost them yeah. a big time in terms of the playoff race. And, and, but that's outcome bias. You know, outcome bias is saying, well, Jesus, Baltimore would be yeah. um, would be uh, what ten and ten and four instead of eight and six. You know, but you don't know that because you don't know if Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have marched down the field. Actually, you don't sure. even know if if with um. 45 seconds left in the game, Rodgers, they could have taken the kickoff and yeah, Rodgers yeah. could have thrown two passes yeah, and, yeah. and kicked a field goal, you know? Yeah. So, 
you know, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm less, I think Carb was going with his gut basically, mm. but I think you, 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 that was a game Green Bay tried hard to lose. Yeah. And I, I, I don't mind uh, the out and out going with the gut and completely ignore analytics. I, I guess I have a problem with, but I don't mind this kind of hybrid position, which, which Harbaugh seemingly adopts. And I suspect quite a few coaches adopt, which is looking at the numbers and soaking them in, but then ultimately going with what you think is right in that situation, because the analytics, of course, uh, based on situational uh, historical assessment, but doesn't take into account what is happening right now in this particular moment. It can't, right. it can't possibly. So you have to add interpretation right. to it. So I, yeah, I mean, I the, like you know, the injured defensive back argument is mitigated a bit by mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, you've got Devonte Adams and maybe M- MVS, but yes. Lazard, Lazard, you know, Rogers kept going to Lazard, but they couldn't connect. I, I don't want to blame Lazard because the passes were always difficult ones, but it was as if it was as if he thought Lazard was Mike Evans and, and Lazard is Lazard, you know? Um, yeah. So the, what, what's stranger about the analytics thing is, you know, the, the Chargers could have beat the Colts on Thursday night if Staley had taken the three field goals instead of going for it on fourth and short. Be- beating the Chiefs on Thursday night. Beating the Chiefs. Well, who did I say? Colts. <laughs> the Colts. Yeah. Could have beaten the Chiefs. Could have beaten the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs, you know, without Chris Jones, their defense and Willie Gay was out as well. So their run defense was, was you know, was lacking, um, really? which turned the Chargers offense into something potent. But, you know, he left nine points out there. Yeah. going forward on fourth down um, and especially early in the game, you know, that that saying about, you know, just taking the field goals early and going for it late when you when you need to. Yeah, um, I, there's there's a certain amount of truth to that. I agree. You know? I think it's it, a great in the first quarter in the first quarter. You know, why? Why not just take the points? You know, it's, I know you're I know you're I, and for the Chargers, you're at home, you know, yeah, and you're at home. against the Chiefs. But this isn't the Chiefs of last year. Exactly. That's just that's what you hear all the time. Oh, it's not going to be enough field goals. It's not going to be enough against this Chiefs offense. If you see yeah. this Chiefs offense for much of this season, it's a very, yeah. well, very different thing. I just want to go. Back Harbaugh to did the same thing on on the first drive, right? He mm. took he could have taken a field goal, which would. Yeah. I mean, you can't and you can't say, "Well, would have changed." You know, they would have won the game. Well, no, because yeah. the the the, the flow the ebb of flow of the game changes changes. But, but yeah, yeah, he could have had three points and and he passed on that. On Tyler Huntley, he had a good game. I think it's fair to say, if not if if not flawless, uh, two hundred and fifteen yards, seventy three on the ground, of course. And Mark Andrews uh, was the primary Andrews was recipient. a beast. Yeah. yeah, he really was. Uh, two scores over a hundred yards for him again. Tyler Huntley, inevitable question, but you got to ask it because it was prime time and he held his own. Is he a player that you think could be a starter in the NFL? Um, yeah, probably. Um, I, I, I would liken him to Jalen Hurts right now. Um, I didn't think, I don't think he looked a whole lot worse than Jalen Hurts does. Um, they didn't run him the way they ran Lamar Jackson. There were very few designed runs for him, uh, a couple of quarterback draws. Um, but they let, you know, it was, it was almost as if in the fourth quarter, they said, okay, look, if you've got those, if you've got the scramble, take it. And he and he did that very well, which which is great because one of the things I think I'll write about this week is the is the teams that are using single wing offenses basically, and one of the problems with that is that for example Arizona Kyler Murray wasn't running the ball and he, when he did he wasn't running it very well, mm. um, and if you're going to use that single wing style offense, the quarterback has to be the running a running threat to to make it work right um and if he's just in the you know josh allen the the bills the bills had a good game but not as good as it looks <laughs> because the panthers were so bad yeah. um but josh allen didn't run the ball 17 times like he had the week before uh, partly because he was hurt from that um but partly because that's not going to win it win it for them um they oh i thought emmett smith was back you did. I've got a new favorite announcer. Oh, let's hear it, Jonathan Vilma. Vilma, <laughs> it's, Vilma, it's, Vilma. It's like it's like Emmett Smith. Uh, there, there was this horrible play on fourth down for the um, where they they tried to RPO Cam Newton, mm. right? But it, there, there was no fake involved. 
<laughs> he did one of those desultory kind of yeah RPO. You put the ball on the guy's stomach so that the run is a real possibility right. for the defensive end to, to. But he just kind of went behind him. He put the ball and then he threw the ball behind Robbie Anderson. Yes, who you know who was supposed to take it. It was a horrible play. But um, Jonathan Vilma said Robbie Anderson do not Robbie Anderson do not what he does. <laughs> I, that. I, I do not great. he do not what he does and i just thought emmett smith is back and yeah. I, I looked up i didn't realize it was jonathan vilma um but i had i had to look it up and 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 yeah, he was oh he was in that in that groove throughout the game i um, love it well, although he's that there. was that was the best up um, there with miles garrett this week then uh, everyone everyone's hurting <laughs> and do not what he does i'm putting both of those on robbie on Anderson, a do, do not what he does you know, I want to get into that Bills-Pats game with you uh, a bit more. Before we look ahead, I just want to wrap up a couple of other points from week 15, the, the week that never ends, right? Because we've got two games tonight as well. But on the, the Cardinals' defeat, and I'll dive into the mailbag for the first time at the NC Show. Thanks to all of you who've got in touch, and we'll get into as many of them as we can. Mike, we may even sneak a few at the end of the show if we haven't uh, weaved them into the flow of the show it is from mr robot i don't think incidentally it's it's accu score that's ben that's ben roethlisberger <laughs> dr frank frankenstein's monster did you see ben trying to quarterback sneak twice <laughs> and it was yeah. literally like it was like they should have brought him back to the sidelines put the plugs back into his neck and recharge him <laughs> it was like Aah! <laughs> Mr. Robot, not Ben Roethlisberger, uh, appreciate your question. How concerning was that defeat for the Cardinals? Are we witnessing another burnout or is that just a blip? That's a good point because you do remember last year when they were riding along and what what they they went like, was it like three and six the last nine games, something like that? They were eight and three, I want to say. And, and, you know, and one of those, they won on a Hail Mary. Um, Yes. That was Buffalo, if I remember right. Um, So, yeah, I I think there's that possibility. I I was a little disappointed because I've been plugging their defense Mm. and their defense did not play very well. I know there were a couple of guys out and that's always a problem. Craig Reynolds had over 100 yards rushing. And Craig Reynolds is one of those few guys who, when he first appeared a few weeks ago, I kind of went, Huh? <laughs> Who's he? Who's you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I study up for the draft. I try to be prepared, you know, and that kind of stuff. But um, their offensive line, you know, played played really well to to con- to control the game. And um, I thought then, on, the de- on the defense, Reeves may have been at a balling game. I thought he was. Yeah, and I think everywhere. Kyler Murray was part of that. I think that when you take away the run mm. from him and you can confine him to the pocket, he has the same limitations as a lot of. A lot of these um, uh, big eight kind of big 12 uh, quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, he's got the Baker Mayfield thing is when he has to sit in the pocket, he doesn't see downfield as well. He he needs to be, you know, he needs to be moving on on the outside. So um, Dan Dan Campbell, he did one of those fake, fake, go for it. You know, where you try to draw the other team offside and he settled for a field goal earlier in the game. Um, And I just said, how does this fit in with we're going to bite your knees off? <laughs> oh, now, listen, I'm not having any, <laughs> any knocks on Dan Campbell. Did you see the in the, po- the locker room post-game? Yeah. Campbell's speech was great. And that yeah. and fair play to a team that has been vilified, maligned, beaten up. Uh, and you often wonder what it's like, what it must be like to be in a locker room. I know they'd, they'd won a game worst, prior to worst this. Feeling, yeah, the worst, worst feeling, team in the league. Worst feeling in the world. So, so yeah. to be to get that win and fair play, and Goff was front and center with that as well, and let him out afterwards. And he's a, I mean, individually, if you look at the collective criticism that Detroit's taken, Goff has been right in the firing line. He had a great game, and he did it. And I'm not over, you know, I know you love uh, to point out that I'll overuse the word great, particularly when it comes to movies. But I, I think Goff had a great game, and in the context- well, yeah, they weren't in his face. Hmm. And he says, you, know, you said that's where he, he that's where that's where, yeah, that's where Jared Goff, you know, yeah. there's no, there's no criticizing Jared Goff's arm, um, yeah. but, but he doesn't stand up to pressure really well mm-hmm. um, because he, he loses that extra second to decide if he, that he's going to throw it. Um, he's mm-hmm. one of those quarterbacks who needs to see the man open before he throws. Mm-hmm. He doesn't throw the guy open as much. Right. Um, and he's got such a strong arm. A lot of strong arm quarterbacks are like that. Um, Jeff George being one of the great, great examples of that. Um, but the way to deal with them is to, is to be in their face and, and therefore you rush the thought process and that ruins the, the throw. Um, Mike, but, on Arizona, yeah. just, just on Arizona quickly, because it, we, 
often criticised ridiculous overreaction. And if you look at the way this season has played out for them, no D-Hop now, which is hugely significant, but Kyler's injury, D-Hop's injury, you know, prior to, to this defeat to the Lions and and Kyler being injured as well. Nevertheless, they stayed in contention. They, they won through. They kept in the mix. Are we, is it too straightforward a connection to say, well, they're just falling off the cliff like they did last year? Well, I know lots of teams are dealing with injuries. Maybe for, maybe for different reasons, Um, Mm. you know, or maybe because teams do catch up toward the end of the season, but you know, they've got Indy, they're at Dallas and then Seattle, um, which is a tough, a tough run in. And San Francisco's got, they're at Tennessee, then they've got Houston and um, then they've got, they're at the Rams which is going to be a, a big game, but the Rams have, have um, they're playing Seattle and then they've got uh, Minnesota, Baltimore and San Francisco. Mm. So, you know, the, the Rams could conceivably pass them and San Francisco could conceivably go into that Rams game with a chance to, um, to pass Arizona. Uh, you know, Arizona could be at the rate they're going sort of 10 and six, Going right. into the last the last, last game, game. which um, is Seattle, you said that last week, and the yeah. Seattle's their last game, and San Francisco's eight and six right now. They could conceivably be ten and six going into their last game, right. um, and so you know, I, I think it's 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 going to be it's great because that that division now has become you know a three team fight with a fourth team that may that that's really dangerous. No, you, nobody wants to be playing Seattle um, when, when you need a win. So, you know, I, I like that. And I like the fact that Dan Campbell's team has done exactly what he said they would do. Yeah. The, you know, they're in no way a good team, um, but they fight, they play hard. They do yeah. exactly what he said at the beginning of the season. He wanted them to do. Um, and, you know, and they were, they were missing, they were missing Swift and they were missing. Yeah. Right. They were missing Hawkinson as well. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's probably their two best yeah. offensive weapons. We're out. We're out. No doubt. So give them a lot. You know, that's I give them point. a lot of credit and, and um, you know, and, and contrast them with Jacksonville, you know, mm. um, a team that wasn't playing hard and, and even without urban didn't do, didn't do very well. And Jacksonville now it's great. Jacksonville's doing the, the bottom of the draft tour. Now they're playing the jets this week. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like by the end of the week, they could be getting like the fifth pick in the draft. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of, it's kind of awful for them. Uh, they should be playing. They should be playing to lose, but, but oh, going on, back, on the, hey, on going the back, Oh, oh, okay. Go back to the Jags. Well, I got yeah. a Jags question for you. Uh, okay. Rakesh uh, at the NC show. Who gets the Jags job? It's a, it's a job that a lot of people are going to want, Mike, isn't it? With, with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's, it's quite a tasty. It, that's an interesting question because I think it depends on how you think you can get on with the owner in front office. Um, you know, um, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced. Uh, and there's a lot of, a lot of speculation going, going around, um, Byron Leftwich, yes, you know who played in Jacksonville and is the offensive coordinator in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, left. I like Leftwich. Um, I loved him as a quarterback in college, but I, you never know in that situation with Bruce Arians as the head coach and Tom Brady as the quarterback. You never know how much actual coordinating he's doing. Mm. Um, but it, in a sense, coming off of Urban Meyer. I think that your question is not who's going to develop um, who's going to develop uh, Trevor Lawrence as much as who's going to change the the culture of that team. Meyer yeah. did not, you know, he was not a culture builder. He thought he was in college, where where culture takes care of itself in a sense because you're controlling the scholarships and the you know you're recruiting players and stuff like that. So I, I think what you ought to be looking for is a guy who's going to come in and and rebuild the team mm. um, and rebuild the attitude. I mean, you don't want Dan Campbell <laughs> necessarily, you know, but, you know, when you look at the two teams, did you think that, that Detroit, um, you know, would be half a game ahead of Jacksonville at this stage of the sure. season? Yeah, no, yeah. no, of course not. Um, and that that's down to Urban Meyer losing losing the culture of the team. So I think that or that rather than who's going to be a quarterback whisperer for Trevor Lawrence is probably what, what they, they should to concentrate do. On. Yeah. I think they may well be concentrating on who's going to be a quarterback, quarterback whisperer. whisperer. Well, that, whisperer. it looks all the names we're hearing. Whistler, all the names we're hearing are, are, are typically offensive minds, right? So yeah, McDaniel's comes. McDaniel's comes up. Kellen Moore, Kellen 
were. I mean, yeah, I, I, I just don't see it. You know, what has Kellen Moore? I mean, I, no, no knock on Kellen Moore because sure. I think he coordinates that offense pretty well. But, you know, has he brought Jack Dak Prescott along? No, Dak Prescott's not as good as he was before the injury. And that may be down to the injury. We, you know, we don't know, but it has well, he been I think be- he, I, I, did, I think, I think he's regressed in recent weeks, but I think he started this season. Like started the season yeah. looking really hot, but that's the part of the, part of the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I take your point. I, I'm not convinced that Kellen Moore is, is the right guy for, for that gig either, but I wonder whether they will look at a younger hipster coordinator because Urban Meyer was such a bastard. Well, that's the, you know, that's the trend. That's how, that's how Matt LaFleur and Mm -hmm. and, and Zach Taylor and guys like that got their jobs because they were, and they were basically the assistants to young, hot, young coordinators, you know, who who then sort of by default became hot, young coordinators. Do you think McDaniels takes the gig though? Because we keep hearing he's the heir apparent to the Belichick when he, well, I don't know how that works. That's, that's the big question. Um, You know, and he was saying, I think in the press that he was really happy with, with the building they're doing now, mm. um, which is true. I, I think they're, they're kind of like a young team um, yeah, right. in, in a lot of ways, but with Belichick's son being the co-defensive coordinator mm. and nepotism running rampant in the NFL, you wonder if Bill's actual long-term su- succession will change. You know, we assumed when, when McDaniels gave up the indie job, and he's the one who hired Matt Eberflus, who then stayed at Indy, which was another one of Frank of Reich's smart, was, yeah. smart yeah. decisions. Um, but we all assumed that he was more or less promised the job when Belichick retired. Mm. Now, Belichick could turn into Queen Elizabeth, you know, and not retire till he's 85 <laughs> and, you know, do a George Hallis. And then and then I, I really hope on, he does I pass really it on to does. his son. But, you know, I mean, that's that's an exaggeration. But, but would you, you know, like that? Would you could see, could see him go for another decade, Belichick? I mean, I, I'd li- I think I'd like to see that. Well, I'd like to see it, too, because we're you know, he's not that much younger than I am. And the longer he goes on, the longer I can go. on. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got the bills this this week. And let's talk about that matchup, because as you uh, pointed out, I am Mike, as we were talking pregame. It's the the biggest game of the week, no doubt about it. The the rematch, of course, we knew they were going to be playing in close proximity and doubling down. The Patriots now, after that defeat to the Colts, have had a bit of the shine taken off. But I think a lot of sharps thought the Colts would would get that, yeah. that job done. Yeah, and what what was surprising was that the Patriots were coming off a bye week, and Bills usually really good off bye weeks. You, sure. know, you don't like to give them the extra week to plan. I think that factors back to there being a young team. As well, you know that that they just came out flat in the in the early part of that game, and it and it was still manageable. They had dumb penalties. Mm. Um, most of them were not. I, as one of the great penalty arguers of <laughs> of the pundit world, um, I couldn't really argue the the one on Isaiah Wynn for um, being downfield on the screen pass was mm. kind of ticky tack and and. Um, um, I know a number of people were discussing the, the nature of that rule because in college you can be downfield. I think it's three yards in college. It's only one, but the reason for the NFL rule is it's, and the reason for the college rule really is a, it's more about run pass options um, because you want to know at some point, whether the receiver is a receiver or a blocker, because you can't do stuff to him when he's a receiver. Um, so so it all revolves around that a, a player setting up. But I thought that was a kind of ticky tacky one, but, but they mm. killed themselves. They, they went offside and, and took a missed field goal. Um, you know, yeah. they gave a field goal to in, Indianapolis. They went offside near the end zone on, on a good play where they could have had a touchdown and they were still in the game up to the point where Jacoby Myers doesn't bring in that beautiful pass from Mac Jones down the sidelines over his shoulder, which he normally you would think would catch. And then on the next play, they get the punt blocked. And now it's 20 to nothing. And, and they're in a deep hole. They came back. And so I think the story of this game was the Patriots weren't as bad as they looked. They made a lot of mistakes. But, but you, have to, you have to think that they're not going to have a second mistake-filled game uh, yes. ne- next week. And, and the Colts, Frank Reich is such a good coach. I mean, the, everyone says, oh, Jonathan Taylor, MVP, 29 carries, 170 yards. The key to that game was not the 67-yard touchdown run. That just ended it, right? And it's what it's what Derrick Henry does, you know? But, but Reich's smart in the sense that Taylor, the rest of the game, 
was 28 carries for 103 yards, 3.7 per carry. Yes. That's enough. When you're nursing a 17 nothing lead and a 20 nothing lead, you're in the unexpected, you're in the unexpected position at home of having the Patriots in a deep hole with a team that doesn't really have a game game breaker. Yeah. Yeah. So all you need to do is not turn the ball over and and use up time. They didn't burn the clock in the sense of dominating time of possession, but they used all their downs and and Taylor Mm. ran it and Taylor ran it. They picked up enough first downs. It kept Carson Wentz from mm-hmm. turning the ball over or making a mistake, which it is, was very Patriots-esque really the game. Plan, yeah, wasn't it? absolutely. And it was kind of what they did to Buffalo um, the week, the week before. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I give Frank Reich a whole lot of credit there. Darius Leonard, I thought in above Taylor, not to knock Taylor. Cause yeah. you know, like I said, that's what Derrick Henry does to you. You know, you keep his team keeps possession. If they're in the lead, you're never going to win because you can't get the ball away from him. And then sooner or later, he's going to break one big run and, and yeah. ice the game. And that's exactly what they did. So, but, but Darius Leonard had a brilliant game because their, their defense is based on speed. And the Patriots want to play a power game. And Leonard was all over the place defeating that that power game. They played well up front as as well um, in these in these fronts. So so I don't think they were as bad as that that game made them look. And mm-hmm. I don't really think that Buffalo were as good as that Carolina game made them look. Um, no, because Carolina, Carolina, terrible. Carolina yeah. played so badly. Um, and Cam Newton, you know, I, I just don't know what they're doing because Cam obviously doesn't have it. Yeah. Um, and it's not the COVID thing like it was last year. He knows um, it as well, Mike. You watch him play, he knows it. You know, I mean, it must yeah. be so difficult to have been at the peak of your game four or five years ago. And, yeah. And, and, and you and can't keep, you, you can't. can't keep making the McCaffrey excuse. You know, I also was angry because I, I, I predicted uh, one of my best bets was taking them over, um, sorry, under 44 and a half. And, and the game had 45 points, 45. <laughs> I was what? really angry about that one. Um, one thing I thought was interesting uh, from the Bills game was the how often Singletary was given the rock. So 22 carries he had um, yeah. had a good and, game and, as well. And I think that's something that the Patriots will assume they'll try to do again, mm. um, because I don't think they want to run Josh Allen. You know, I think the, the fact that he carried 17 times the week before and came up hobbling yeah, was kind of like a, a light flashing on. You know, you, yeah. you really you're not going to build your offense around his running. It's It's got to be the running backs. And um, so, yeah. so so I don't think they can do what Indianapolis did unless they jump out to a quick lead, you know, if they, if they get a chunk play. And, and I'm sure the Patriots thing is going to be no mistakes, no big plays and clean up special teams. That was the third punt block of the season, you know, and, and they've been very careful not to blame Jake Bailey, the punter. Um, you know, it was a blocking letdown, just a, a missed block, but all three of them have been that way. Um, I think it's, I think it's really the, almost the game of the week. Um New England and Buffalo because yeah. a win by New England and they're back in the, in the driver's seat. Uh, and now they have to go to Miami the last week of the season. And that's always a nightmare for them. Um, traditionally, you know, mm. they lose more games in Miami in December than they lose <laughs> normally in their division <laughs> right. the rest of the rest of the time. Um, but a win by Buffalo and all of a sudden, Buffalo's got the advantage in that division for the divisional spot and New England's back into that mess of the of the wild card. So, you know, Buffalo's at the bottom of the wild card pile right now. Um, and a loss would would really would really yeah. hamper their playoff chances, much less the division. I mean, well, it kills that, the yeah. division champion to division chances, win. but it would. And, you know, for a team that everybody in the in the world predicted would win that division and yeah. probably be the number two seed in the in the AFC. Everyone in the world. I'm Mike. I'm raising my hand. Just just have another <laughs> that. Uh, all those teams, the Broncos in 13th at, at 500, right? It's incredibly congested down there. Uh, right. We're going to wrap with a couple <laughs> yeah. of... It's, it's in the trachea and then the, the, bron- the bronchial <laughs> yeah. tubes. Back to um, um, that was that was another game, you know, in that yes, the Broncos Denver game, the the fifteen. I mean, the Bengals Denver game. The analytics guys would say you don't draft a kicker, you know, because there's so many of them around. But Evan McPherson mm. um, basically won that game, and there was that great play with Khalid Kareem, you know, where he ripped the ball away from Drew Locke 
And then he runs down the sideline, you know, big guy, he's thinking fat guy touchdown, you know, and then he fumbles the ball when he's tackled. <laughs> and they went through all the rigmarole yeah. and the announcers went through. And whoever the announcer was in, in that game didn't even know who, who Kareem was. He couldn't, you know, he didn't, he kept saying the defensive tackle. Scott was doing it on red zone, the defensive tackle. And it was obvious from the start that it was going to come back as a fumble and down by contact because Drew Locke pushed him. You know, after he lost the ball, Drew Locke pushed him in the back very yeah. visible, very visibly, you know, even to somebody watching on the little computer screen. So it was always going to come back as down by contact. But even the officials didn't do it. It had to be reviewed. You know, it was New York in the in the review box, who I think because they thought another touchdown would just blow the whole game up. <laughs> and who, who wanted to <laughs> yeah. see that? But but, you know, but I, I thought that was that was an interesting one. And, and Cincinnati now at eight and six, Oof. all of a sudden look like um, although they have to play Kansas City. Um going down the stretch, you know, look like yeah. they could be. Um, I think I was predicting that division out. Uh, I don't think it. I know it. Mm. Um, I got Pittsburgh finishing at eight, eight and one because, yeah. you know, at some point Frankenstein's monster runs out of charge. Um, Cleveland at, at eight or nine wins. Mm-hmm. Um, Cincinnati at 10 and seven, mm. which will be enough. And Baltimore at nine and eight. So yeah. by that um, by that factor, enough. Cincinnati wins the division. Takes the division. Well, I think I'm going to write about this this week. That that crazy AFC uh, playoff race. We're going to wrap though. I might with a couple of questions from I'm Mike. Going to wrap. I might might even wrap his answers. In fact, I've got a good one. You can wrap your <laughs> please wrap your answer to this question. Where is it? Uh, okay, it's from FPL Doctor of uh, Darren Rogers. Hey Darren, um, explain the Jets in ten words. <laughs> Please wrap the answer. J E S T Jets. <laughs> Where's Rufus when you need him? It'll be Carlson featuring he's, Rufus. He's, down, he's downstairs. He's looking at the Christmas tree. He like he likes that. Um, yeah, whoa. You know, I I thought I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna close the book um, on Salah yet. Um, Definitely not. Be- yeah, no, I, and I think people, for their coach. You hear I think I think people who are doing that. Um, are, but you know, I just thought when, when the Jets got rid of Sam Darnold and drafted another Sam Darnold, mm. <laughs> it was the pure Jetsist move <laughs> that, that you could have made. You know, so yeah, that there. That's, it. that's I, your answer. I, I'm not going to complain because I like I, I like seeing them suffer. I well, I am not, I'm not going to go that far, but I definitely agree with you on the Salah. Let's just. Cool our, je- cool our jets. <laughs> Ooh, good one. Yeah, you like that. Here's one from uh, Darth Balls. Hey, Darth Balls. Great handle, by the way. Are the 49ers now the dark horse to win yes. the NFC? Yes. Um, you know, and that goes as, as far as Jimmy Garoppolo. Their defense is playing really well. They're getting bodies back, which which makes the difference there. They still they still need to rely on somebody beside Debo um, and Kittle for their offense. Uh, although so far nobody's been able to stop. It's kind of like, it's not even as easy as, as you know, you, you, ju- you just thought um, with Green Bay, yeah, shouldn't you guys double Mark Andrews at some point? Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't you think you might, or you maybe you have a guy on him at the line of scrimmage and just not give him a clean release, you know, and, and then that guy can also set the edge and not let Huntley. Uh, the whole fourth quarter, I was saying, you know, Joe Barry, wake up, Joe Barry, somebody wake him up. <laughs> um, Why does that happen though? It's a great point. Like when you're seeing something that is so flagrantly obvious, I, I don't know. How's it, how's it getting? I, I, I do not know. Um, you know, it, it because well, it happens because you have your, you have your game plan and you have, have the defense you want to run and and so you pretty yeah. much stick stick with that yeah, and that's yeah. been a, a joe berry kind of thing but but mm. um yeah i think the 49ers are you know jimmy g has his ups and downs but they really protected him well this week um you know i don't know if he even got hit in that game and, and if he's got time because shanahan's plays do tend to be slow developing a lot of them um, yeah. you know, Kittle, Kittle running on the crossing route and Debo running on the crossing route. Um, I think the 49ers are, are in, in with a shot in, in, uh, well, I don't do a prediction for that division, but you know, but that's a very balanced division. They, they could, and they could sneak in with a wild card. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I think, uh, it's all about the timing on Mike, as we yeah. often say, and they seem to be, uh, getting that run just about right. Uh, the last one for the road from Jamie Garwood. Uh, longtime friend of the show, Jamie Gold. Shout out to you and uh, happy Christmas to you as well. How do you solve a problem like Chicago Bears? <clears throat> and Mike, you need the 
Bare necessities, the simple bare necessities to get you through the NFL strife. June. Mike, I, I, love the, I, I love the fact you went there and dropped it. Disappointed that we didn't hear that when we sang karaoke all those years ago in New Orleans. I mean, why wasn't that on the playlist? That, <laughs> that isn't really on most bars karaoke list, to be, and it should to be honest. I would uh, Mustang Sally, though, is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next time Next time we get, I get caught in that situation, I'm doing a ballad. <laughs> <laughs> Every rose has its thorn by poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we weren't in COVID restrictions, we could find us a karaoke bar. Oh, we got to do that. When we come out of restriction, we'll do it. Let's I once did that in Washington. Um, I was I was dating this woman um, who was lovely, and um, we went to a bar with a karaoke thing, and she basically made me sing karaoke, and I did "Stand by Me," and solid choice. It was love at first first ear for her first year. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you could do sing like that. <laughs> oh, no, neither did I. On to something, Iron Mike. We should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Motivation's an important yeah. thing in sports and in life. <laughs> momentum as well. <laughs> yeah, karaoke <laughs> momentum when the Stand By Me dropped. I love that. All right. We, we'll make sure that when uh, we come out of this uh, crazy phase, another crazy phase, once again, we'll get so get a show karaoke. Get Ollie, the producer, we'll get Ben in the mix. Yeah, he's well. one of my favorite players, DeMonte Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> we'll get him. We'll invite him down. It'll be a postseason. I'm sure there'll be time. Uh, now, you mentioned earlier on your Patreon column, or at least in uh, in passing, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, FMTE. Yeah, Go probably talk out. about the single wing this week, uh, talk wing. about some of the stuff in the in the games. Uh, and uh, last week uh, was a long take on the college bowl season, which we don't really have time to get into because I know we've gone over. Um, but um it, I, it's worth a read, I think, um, yeah. you know, or or are you really dying to see the famous Idaho potato bowl? Who isn't? I'm like, uh, who isn't, frankly? Well, I, that will help me because I've got to do some prep for my college days with with Ben uh, about that. So I will definitely be getting involved with that. Uh, it is worth subscribe listeners. Mike Carlson. Uh, FMTE is the Patreon handle, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, FMTE at Carlson Sports on Twitter. Happy Christmas, bud. Have a good one. Happy Christmas to you guys, too, to everybody listening. You know, hope you have a good one. Uh, just remember, they can't cancel Christmas. Christmas is Christmas. You know, make the best of it as you will. Is Christmas exactly right. I'm Mike. Loving your work, bud. We'll see you next week. Uh, we'll see you next time on The Muppet Show, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Waldorf. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff from the big man at Carlson Sports is how you follow him on Twitter. Patreon.com. Mike Carlson FMTE is his column. And that is just about it for us this side of Christmas. Actually, you know, what am I talking about? I tell a lie. Edge rush dropping. Ollie and I are recording that tomorrow. So that is recorded Wednesday morning. That will definitely drop before Christmas. So there is uh, edge rush coming your way. Look ahead to week 16. We're going to get to the MVP race on that as well. We'll have a college days next week with a bowl season fast approaching. Uh, ben will be back for that. And uh, we got a lot more Iron Mike coming your way as well. He'll be back with us early next week to look back on week 16. Enjoy all the action. It's great having these games coming thick and fast. And most importantly of all, have a very happy and very safe Christmas. Enjoy the ball. We'll see you on the other side. Sports Social Podcast Network.